Welcome to the Inspiro Podcast, a podcast exploring personal growth, leadership, strategy, communication, and fulfillment. We are your hosts, Jason Luchtefeld and Bill Woodburn. I'm here as a dentist transitioning into a career to help facilitate individuals and their organizations towards a more fulfilling future. Hi there, I'm Bill Woodburn, and I'm a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist in Austin, Texas. I'm fascinated by the way people come together to solve problems, whether that's couples or families, dental practices or organizations. We're going to be exploring a lot of topics, and for us to be able to be free to do that, I have to let you know that this is not intended to be dental advice or counseling advice. I'm going to make a slight segue. Still sort of communication, but it's it's again a willingness to communicate a vulnerability. And that is with loneliness and the idea of lonely. So there's more and more data. There's multiple books now that talk about how the most important thing for longevity is relationships. It's not food. It's not smoking, shockingly. It's not exercise. While all of those things are important and have a lot of value to extending a fruitful life, the number one that has come across now in a couple different studies is the idea of our relationships. And more and more people are finding themselves lonely and not able to communicate that effectively to fix the situation. Now, for all you introverts out there, don't stress out too much. I did at first thinking, uh-oh, am I going to die tomorrow? Uh, it's, it's completely subjective. So you can be surrounded by a hundred people and feel lonely. You can be living alone and not feel lonely. You can have two friends and be just fine. It's really about the subjective value of those relationships in your life. So the ability to dig in, have some self-awareness, and then verbalize that to those around you, whether that's family, friends, coworkers, uh, that was a shocking revelation. I found that they've done this research in co uh, people that work together, and they found that people that consider one to three people at work as friends are uh, rate their life satisfaction eighty percent higher than those that don't. And I'll even add a piece. Yeah. I have talked to lots of dental teams over the years. And an underlying reason why people want to go into dentistry, particularly want to go into the private practice model, is they want to work with people. They want to work on a team. They want to have close relationships with people. They want to have a group of people around them that on, you know, Friday afternoon says, hey, let's go, let's go grab some barbecue and talk. They want that. And when that is removed, 
or you know obstructed in some way there's this sense of, of people on the team not getting what they really came for even if they're being well paid even if the hours are good there's that extra piece that many many people are coming to the dental team for so loneliness is also strongly correlated with depression i want to throw this in there as well first if you are feeling lonely and think you may be depressed then call a professional make an appointment and uh, start talking about that what are some self-care things um schedule a lunch with friends sure so first a bit about depression my um, my quick and dirty definition of depression it's when hopelessness and helplessness gang up on you and change the way your brain works. But that also gives us some hope here because if it's about hopelessness and helplessness, then doing something that you're not helpless with, doing something that brings hope for something to change, really fights back on that. And one of the things that does a great job at that is being able to establish a relationship. And a lot of people think it needs to be some deep and, and, and soul-binding relationship. Actually, it doesn't. I mean, those are great. And I, I suggest if you can get one, great. But if you can get someone that you can talk openly with, if you can get someone who you can be vulnerable with, it doesn't have to be ultimate vulnerability, just some. If you can just admit to that person that you don't like your boss very much, or whatever. Um, a lot of what people mean by loneliness is being shut down and having their communication cut off. Hmm. It's not just, there's no person there. Like you said, oh yeah, there are a bunch of people here, but I can't actually tell them what I'm really thinking or what I'm really feeling. And so mine shut down and now I'm lonely. Well, what if I hung out with some people that I... I could talk about what I'm really thinking and really feeling. Again, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just more than usual will help. I'd like to add on to that. Sometimes a first step can be a Zoom call. Mm -hmm. But keep in mind, we are learning that virtual interaction is not nearly as valuable as in-person. And the one maybe bright spot, if you could call it that, out of the pandemic was that we got a whole lot of data on virtual communication and the pros and cons of it. And what that appears to be showing us is the real value, the value of in-person communication over virtual. And I think this, for selfish reasons, selfish reasons. This is why we do the workshops the way we do them. This is why we don't yet offer virtual EI classes. And so that don't, I, I want to try to provide a, a platform that people can feel comfortable stepping out into that vulnerability and sometimes doing that virtually as a first step 
is easier. And then working your way towards that in-person for a more powerful experience. Absolutely. And I shudder to think what a virtual EI workshop, that just sounds so hard. <laughs> I have a little bit of an iconoclastic view on some of the, the research on vir virtual communication. Okay. I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with virtual communication. I think what it did is it made us realize how lacking our common communication has always been. When even when people were hanging around the water cooler at the work at work or going into an office to talk to someone, is all of a sudden we started studying it because we see now it's virtual and we can see it here because it's virtual. And it's like, oh no, this there's really not very good communication going on. I think you can have good virtual communication, but I think it, the first thing that's going to happen is going to reflect whatever quality of communication, you know, these people ordinarily have, which a lot, a lot of work groups isn't very good. So it amplifies the fact that we're having shallow or poor conversation. Sure. I mean, as, as a organizational consultant, I've been out there and sat through some really impressively boring meetings um, where I'm the fly on the wall. They say, we have a problem with our meetings. And then they, I watch the meeting and I say, you sure do. And then, you know, during the pandemic, I did that on Zoom. Yeah. Same old worthless meeting. It's just with a lot more technology. Interesting. So what's the solution? We've talked about a lot of solutions for in-person. And I guess a lot of those could be applied to a virtual conversations as well. Let me suggest a couple of things. These are broad pieces. I don't think we can improve communication, whether that's virtually or on a team or with our friends in person without some courage and without offering each other some safety, that there has to be a kind of sacred space that people can enter into where there's a level of safety so they can talk about being hurt or they can talk about some value that's either not being acted out or being violated in the group they're in and that it's safe to do that and that people feel it's safe and that the team or the group is committed to safety versus winning. I think that gets back to our first few episodes on validation is what it sounds like to most me. People are lonely because they don't feel safe. If they, when a lot of times what we're talking about in friendships are people I feel safe to be myself with. It's a frequent definition. Yeah. Notice how much it's about safety. Yeah. And that's a two way street. You, you can't uh, fix that on your own. You have to find a, a partner or partners that are willing to have that give and take that be vulnerable and accept that and trust and then accept that and vice versa. And that's what ultimately builds those roots of um, relationships that we can then value. And one of the reasons why I teach the awareness wheel 
is it's a way of creating a safe space for people to have a disagreement. We normally think of, well, uh, since I disagree with him, this has become an unsafe place. Well, what if it could still be a safe place and a safe relationship and you could disagree? That safety doesn't mean indulgence. Like, yeah, I'm going to nod and smile and I think you're a total idiot for believing that. No, wait a minute. The ability to say I disagree and for the other person to say they disagree and yet for it to be safe. That That's something I think is worth building and i think that's part of the loneliness is there's there's not a place in many people's lives where they can be themselves where they can disagree or be with someone who disagrees with them and still feel safe mm-hmm. no one's trying to dominate the situation no one is suspected of just continuing to escalate in hopes of winning and you're never sure how far they're going to go no one is worried the other person is just going to casually drop them like they're not worth anything. Wow. Yeah, that'd be a great place to be in. So if you are a leader in a practice, you could start doing this Monday morning. Sure. And it's just a matter of the intention to create that create that space for disagreement. When I say leader, I mean everybody in the office. And I've got a, a seemingly simple, though it's it's sometimes hard to do. First step, you're in your office, team member comes in and they complain about something or they say that something is wrong or they say that you're wrong about something. Take a deep breath, say thank you for telling me. And that's it. Don't get defensive. Don't push back. Don't try to over-explain. Just thank them. Now, you can go home. You can think about it. You can later have another discussion about it. Okay. But first response isn't either, well, no, I'm right. Or, well, you do the same thing. It's thank you very much. I appreciate you coming to tell me about that. I'm going to think about that. Period. Wow. That one really ended uh, in a deep place. Again, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. And we will be trying to get some practical, important advice to you in our next episode our tentative title for that one is going to be the nuts and bolts of communication in your office so stay tuned for that until next time have a great week